everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. Thanks so much for watching or listening to us today. My name is Bruce Johnson. I'm joined by my brother Jacob Johnson, who is uh, joining us remotely from Pennsylvania. I'm in the state of South Dakota, and uh, through the magic of the interwebs, we are able to talk today, which is very cool. Um, go to our show website, which is trdshow.net. That's where you can find all sorts of helpful things. You can also get yourself a free mug if you join our referral program and help us spread the word about the show while also earning points towards you know free stuff, which is always very cool. So if you need a mug, you're like, oh man, I just don't have enough mugs in my cabinet. Hey, we got big mugs. Like these things, these are not small mugs, right, Jake? I think you even have one and they're, yeah, there we go. Jake's, Jake's got one there too. Yeah. These, these are not they're small. They're good. They're good size. They're yeah, good size. They're bigger than your standard mug. And we've got, you know, reformed dissenters on one side with our verse, Matthew 513, our website, we got our big logo on the other side. So if you really want to, you know, sport some TRD show merch and help out the show, join our referral program, go to trdshow.net slash refer. Go ahead, Jake. And let me just say, lions and swords, they're cool. They are cool. I mean, who doesn't cool. like a lion, a sword, and a shield on yeah. their mug? Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. look at that. That's cool. So, Riding a lion with a sword and a shield. What a, what a great fantasical uh, yeah, that is, that is image there. Yep, yep. Show your friends how spiritual you are. Get a mug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> go to trdshow.net slash refer, and you can get stickers and t-shirts and all sorts of free stuff which is really cool and um by the way if you've gone to that website trdshow.net slash refer and you haven't joined the program because you read something on there that changed your mind or something like that send us an email if you decided not to join it for some reason because we'd like to change up the program because if people don't want to use the program then clearly it's not working so let us know if you want us to like lower the points somehow. We can figure out a way to lower them if that's uh, the issue you've been having. If the interface doesn't work well for you and you're confused, we want to hear all about that. So you can send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com or go to our website, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and you'll find a, a, a form where you can just fill out your information and send it right through the website. Don't even need to email us. Um, <clears throat> so today we are talking, this is our literature Day, Literature Wednesday. And um, as a reminder, our theme this month is biblical principles for restraining civil government. Biblical principles for restraining civil government. And, um, you know, this month we've been reading Matthew Chuella's book, uh, The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates. And um, this is actually our last week with this book. We read chapters 10, 11, and 12. And <clears throat> it has been quite the journey. Very interesting book. I think a lot of it was uh, complementary to Gary DeMar's book, God in Government, Volumes 1 and 2. We'll be getting to Volume 3 shortly, maybe not next month, but maybe some sometime in the near future. Um, but, you know, if you'd like to get a sneak peek into what our next piece of literature is, you're going to have to follow us on our Gab page. We're going to be posting tomorrow or possibly today, either Wednesday of this week or Thursday of this week, um, on our Gab page and our Getter page what our book is of the next book of the month for the month of July is going to be. So you'll have to check out our Gab page if you want to get a sneak peek before next week. So you can order your own copy. We always post the link on our Gab page so you can grab it for yourself. Um, go to gab.com slash show. That's our, that's our page. 
but before we get into some of the crazy cool things he talked about in these three chapters, I'm going to pass it over to Jake to talk about our verse this week, which we talked about on Monday as well, but it's a really cool verse. Yeah. And starting off with this verse, uh, the verse is First Chronicles 29.11, and it says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. And again, that is First Chronicles 29 verse 11. And me going into explanation of this verse, we find all throughout this verse, victory. Uh, the Lord is great, and the power and glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Mm. God has the victory. Yep. And that victory is <clears throat> on earth. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's not, you know, some people like to like hyper spiritualize it and say, well, it's just spiritual. It's just his mm. victory over my heart. He's the, he's the king of of uh, my my heart, right? <laughs> it's like no, nah, I I think he's king of over a little bit more than that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah. he's uh, he's king over. Uh, oh, I don't know the the whole world. Maybe let's yeah. How about that? Like he's king of kings and lord of lords. Exactly, all authority in heaven and on earth. Not just authority over your heart. Not just authority yeah. over your brother's heart or your Christian uh, uh, pastor's heart or your Christian brother who lives a state over from you. Not just his heart. All authority. All. All inclusive. So when, yeah, dude, great, great point bringing that up. Like, yeah, this is, uh, you know, all that's in the heavens, in the earth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the significance of this, the importance <clears throat> of this is that we go, therefore, Teaching the nations to obey, baptizing them. Yes. Right. And knowing that we will win. Mm. Yep. God has the victory. So we just need to go and claim it. Yes. Yes. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I love that. That last part. Yep. <clears throat> and, you know, cursory overview of the book of Revelation shows you, like, especially the last couple chapters shows you joy, it shows you victory, it shows you, you know, <clears throat> so many positive things about the future. And that's what this verse conveys. And we, we talked a lot more about that on Monday. So if you missed that Monday episode, definitely go back and, and check that out. Um, cool, Jake, thanks so much for wrapping that up and kind of expositating on that a little bit, if that's a word. <laughs> it's not a word, I just made it up. And it's, it's fun to make up words sometimes. Um, all right, so, you know, this week we read chapters 10, 11, and 12. And so, kind of going over some of the, the main overarching broad themes of those chapters. Um, one, one thing that, that kind of ca came up a couple of different times was a warning from Matthew Chuella. He, he was talking to the lesser magistrates and kind of giving them a warning. And his, his warning was, prepare yourselves for pushback from either the people, which we're going to give a specific example of that a little bit later, or, or lack of action, which is also kind of pushed back in a way, uh, prepare yourself for that from the people or from higher magistrates. So be ready to face that. Um, on page 51, Matthew Chuella said, higher magistrates tend to respond negatively when their orders, laws, or edicts are 
are defied. They don't take kindly to disobedience. <clears throat> Excuse me. Emperor Caligula did not respond appreciatively to Governor Petronius when the governor refused to uphold the law to place a statue of Caligula in the temple. Caligula was outraged. He ordered Petronius to kill himself. When Moses told Pharaoh to let my people go, Pharaoh did not respond by saying, oh, sure. Rather, he ordered the Israelites to make bricks without straw, end quote. So obviously, you know, this is getting across the point that higher magistrates don't like to be defied. And a lot of times they forget their position. They forget that they are placed there to be ministers of God. They forget that they are to be examples of God's perfect justice. They forget that their position in society, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> is to represent their creator in the realm of justice. As fathers represent God, our heavenly father, to their children, so the civil government is to represent the uh, justice of God, the perfect justice of God to its citizens. And unfortunately, a lot of times they can get way overzealous and think that they don't just have to do justice, they also have to prevent people from getting hurt. So we're going to act like your mother or your father, your parent, and we're going to um, build roads for you so that you don't accidentally crash into someone else's car. Because we, we just want to protect you. We want to help you. And while, yes, that has helped, and while it has caused a, you know, pretty decent structured society of roads from the civil government, that's not their job. It'd be as if the uh, church tried to take children away from parents as soon as they were born and said, well, we'll train them instead because we really, really care for, their ch for your children. We'll raise them up in the nurture, of the, uh, and nurture and admonition of the Lord for you. We'll do it all for you. Just, just give it to us, right? Just give us the authority of your children. That's what the civil government has done in so many other areas, including roads, education, you name it. There's not a like an inch in society, we said this on Monday, kind of changing the Abraham Kuyper quote, there's not a square inch in society where the civil government doesn't scream mine. Instead, rather, Abraham Kuyper's quote is there's not a square inch in society where Christ doesn't scream mine, which that's the true statement. Civil government is setting itself up as a god because it doesn't understand what it's supposed to do, because Christians don't understand what it's supposed to do. So naturally, they get a little upset when someone calls them out on their sin. When someone calls them out and says, hey, you're not meant to be doing this. You've overstepped your bounds. We're not listening to you because God hasn't given you the authority to do that. They get a little upset when you say things like that. Um, so that's that's the warning from Matthew Chuella here. On page 53, he says, the lesser magistrates and the people must understand that when they interpose against unjust law, there will be a fight. Their reputation might be will be aligned and they could end up imprisoned or abused in some fashion. Governing officials who resist need to understand that they act not for glory or political ambition. Rather, they do so because it is the right thing to do in the sight of God, end quote. So he's kind of spent the whole book talking about how, how magistrates interposing on behalf of the people is right before God. He's given examples from Jeremiah. He's given examples from Daniel. He's given tons of examples throughout scripture that this is a duty, civil governmental magistrates, lesser magistrates, and higher magistrates have a duty to interpose on behalf of the people to enact God's perfect, just law. All right, before I move on to the people's duty to interpose, Jacob, is there anything that you would like to add to the conversation? Not on this point, okay. but 
uh, I'll let you get through the pupils duty and interpose, and then I'll I'll interject with a little bit of something. Cool. All right. That sounds good. So the people's duty to interpose, or it's uh, the fancy term, is called remonstrate, um, which is a weird word. Uh, Matthew <laughs> Trella actually acknowledges this on page 55. He says, remonstrance, remonstrance, yep, that's exactly how it's spelled. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's how it looks to me. <laughs> remonstrance is an archaic word, rarely used today. Yeah, you can say that again. Um, but it is exactly what the people are supposed to do in order to fulfill their role in combating tyranny. To remonstrate means to present strong arguments against an act, measure, or any course of proceedings, end quote. Um, I'm just going to continue. On page 56, another quote that he, uh, Matthew Chuella had was, tens of thousands of Jews, then followed Petronius to Tiberius. Uh, I'm going to back up and give some context here. So he's actually uh, talking about and tying in something from a previous chapter. So actually, chapter one, the first chapter in this book, he talked about when the, uh, who, who was the, it was, Petronius was the governor, and I forget who the, um, who the top guy was, like Caesar or whoever, Caligula. That's who it was. I thought it was, yeah, it's Caligula. Was the higher, yeah, yeah, was the higher magistrate. Petronius was the lesser magistrate. Caligula told Petronius to go and put a statue of himself, because Caligula thought he was a god, put a statue of himself in the Jewish temple. Um, And the Jews hated this idea. From their traditions, I think it was, not from a purely biblical standpoint, unfortunately, but from their traditions, it was considered very wrong to put a statue of him in their temple. So they fought against it, <clears throat> which was their right. Um, so that's kind of the uh, uh, that's kind of the context around here. So tens of thousands of Jews then followed Petronius to Tiberius. They again protested the evil of having the statue being placed in their temple. <clears throat> Excuse me. They informed him that they were in no position to war against Rome, and then powerfully demonstrated the passion of their opposition by lying on the ground and barring their necks before Petronius, offering for him to kill them, saying, "We will die before we see our laws transgressed." End quote. So, wow, that's kind of like a very um, I don't know radical thing to do, but tens of thousands of people literally stood in front of Petronius, laid on the ground and showed their necks and said, hey, just kill us because you're going to have to kill us if you want to do this. Um, We'd rather die than let you do this thing. I mean, wow, that's that's something right there. (laughs) Um, I wish some people today would have that same spirit and would be (laughs) not so consumed by their idols on this earth, not so consumed with their money and their cars and their houses and their careers to do something like this. I mean, clearly yeah. this was of this was more important than their than their lives. Like to these people, they would give up their lives rather than allow the temple to be desecrated. Um yeah. we need to have that same fervor. We need to have that same idea when we go out into society. We need to speak the truth in love. Remember that humble boldness we talked about with Greg Bonson. Um but speak the truth in love, but we need to speak the truth. We need to stand up for the truth. We can't just love our lives so much that we become like the world and we're no different. We're not lights anymore. We're not salt anymore. We've lost our taste. And what does that mean? What 
does Christ say happens to salt when it loses its flavor, when it loses its saltiness? We'll get trampled underfoot. Yeah, it's it's good for nothing except to be trampled underfoot. Exactly. We're, we're useless. Yep. We're good for nothing. Okay, so uh, moving on to my next quote, and this will kind of wrap up this whole talking about the people's duty to interpose. I want to talk a little bit more about the people's duty to interpose in a second. Um, elaborate on that a bit more. But uh, first, a, a quote from page 57. Matthew Churella says, The impact the people had upon Governor Petronius is evident. Notice that tens of thousands remonstrated before him. The people have a duty to protest unjust or immoral law. The role of the people in applying the lesser magistrate doctrine is to remonstrate before the lesser magistrate and rally behind him when he takes a stand. Back him up. That's what he's saying here. The lesser magistrates often will not act until the people plead their case, and the magistrates are assured of their support, end quote. So in a second, we're going to get into when this doesn't happen, when the people don't fulfill their duty as citizens and stand up to unjust laws and support those who are standing up for them. Um, but before I do, Jake, is there anything, I, I know you mentioned you had something you wanted to, to bring up. Yeah, well, just just the point that in... We've stated this so many times, but I, I really do think it needs to continue to be stated that the the people in this scenario are who? They're us. Mm. They're everyday citizens like us. Mm. People who yep. are in the church. Yep. Now, it's nice having tens of thousands being there and helping you out and standing with you. So you feel less of like a lone person in the crowd. Mm. You you feel more of like you're just one among many. But we're getting to the point where we need to get out there even if we are just one person. Yeah. And, and but I do have to say that we have to kind of be tactful in that. Mm. We can't just be one person going out there and not being wise about it. Good point. Yeah. But we do need to actually start doing something. Wise and as serpents, doing, gentle as doves. Yeah. Yeah. Doing something small. Yeah. Maybe getting your church to do something. Yes. That's small. Yes. I honestly believe, you know, I've, I have so many conversations with people and the question always comes up, well, what can we do? How can we start? And I honestly believe at this point in our society, we have two paths in front of us and both should be simultaneously attacked at the same time. One, education of children. That's, mm. that's step one. If you have children and they are going to a government indoctrination camp, we call that government indoctrination camps. Uh, generally, the public calls it a public school, which it's nothing like a school. It's an indoctrination center. Um, if they're going to an indoctrination camp, or I would argue if they're going to Christian school, I would not put that on the same exact level, but I would also warn you that they're probably not getting the wholehearted Christian education, nurture and admonition of the Lord that they need that you can provide. That's neither here nor there. Mm -hmm. That's my personal opinion. If you're sending them to Christian school, kudos to you. That's brilliant. Costs way more than government school. And that's coming out of your pocket. So that's fantastic. You care about your children's education. So that's great. I won't say that that's wrong at all. I would just say consider homeschooling. Consider that. I would argue that that's the responsibility of parents, but we can have that discussion later. <laughs> it is 100% better to send them to Christian school than to government school. Uh, but that's number one, Christian education. Vitally, vitally important because generally, I mean, all throughout scripture, generations passing down 
And uh, there's a fancy theological term for that. It's called covenantal succession. Passing down your theology, passing down the truths of God and his word, the covenant down from generation to generation is one of the most important and powerful ways to transform a culture. Think about Rome. Think about what happened throughout Roman history and how it started out hating and killing Christians and how, I forget how many centuries later, but because of covenantal succession, because of the work of the gospel, because of the work of the kingdom of Christ, they had uh, down the road an emperor who actually upheld Christianity, stopped killing Christians, and made kind of that the, the, the law of the land, if you will, in a way. So, that's just an example if Rome ultimately failed, but that's an example of what covenantal succession can do. Looking towards the future, realizing it's not going to happen today, but continuing to put the emphasis on educating your children, because that, that is the task that God has given you today. So if your kids are in government school, get them out. They should not be in government school. Government indoctrination camp is the worst thing you can possibly do to your children. I want to make that very, very clear. Um, step two, though, simultaneously, the next prong is the church. Okay, so we've tackled the individual. I assume if you're listening to the show, you're a Christian and you're working on your personal sanctification. Ultimately, that's step one. So that's vitally important, but I assumed that. Um, step two is your children. That's the family government. Step three is the church government. Church government is vitally important. What do I mean when I say church government? I'm talking about your church and I'm talking about what your church is doing Sunday morning. What are they preaching from the word of God? What are they doing throughout the week to equip the saints? What are they doing to work to preserve culture? If your church is not actively working in your society, there's something wrong and you need to fix it. Your church should be going out evangelizing and secondly, discipling the saints that are in the church. Discipling them so that they can reconstruct society in a Christian way. So they can go out and grow the kingdom of God in the town that you're in. Think about your town the town that you're in right now. Think about what is your church doing in your town and what are your fellow Christians in your body, the church body that you're in, what are they doing to reconstruct that town for Christ? What are they doing? We can't even address civil government until we fix the family and the church. We need to get those two governments straightened out first. So yeah, we can try and run for office. We can do all these cool things, okay? But until we get the family and the church doing what they're meant to be meant to be doing, honestly, I don't personally believe it's worth right now trying to straighten out the civil government at this particular moment. You can disagree with me if you want, Jake. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I don't I don't disagree. Okay. And I, I do <laughs> want take, to sorry. Like, We're gonna get like comments and emails, but Oh, sure. If we get comments and emails, <laughs> then thank you. Um <laughs> right, that would be great, right? <laughs> that would be great. But um just Leaving, I well, I mean, this would be in a final statement, but I'm going to put it here. But just leaving people with this, that it is our personal duty, and Bruce is going to get into this, right? We cannot just stand back and say, oh, well, the church is messed up, or oh, well, the civil government's messed up, or well, the families are messed up. Where does that ultimately start? With yep. us. Yep. Right? Yep. Starts with you. It's the reason all these other things are messed up, because we're messed up. Mm. Yeah. So what can we fix? <laughs> Let's fix us. Yes. Yes. Let's fix the, the family. Then we can fix the church. Yeah. Which then will ultimately fix the civil government. Yep. 
Yep. And and don't lose hope. Something. Don't lose hope. Right. I mean, so many yeah. people look at the goal. They look at, wow, a, com- a completely Christianized society. That's the goal. Wow. Uh, that's insurmountable. I can't do that tomorrow. Well, yeah, you're darn right. None of us can do that tomorrow. Christ yeah. is not like <laughs> the goal is he's equipped us to do it over the course of generations. Like we can do this over the course of multiple generations if we know the goal and we start to work for it. Think about when Christ was asked about the kingdom of God. What did he liken it to? A mustard seed. Itty bitty little thing that grows into this massive, massive tree. Okay. It starts out small. Do you think a big tree like that grows up in a year? What about two years? Three years? I, I think it takes quite a while, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, also, if you're looking for verses about incrementally making the world better, look at Ezekiel chapter 47. Read through Ezekiel 47. What that's talking about is the waters, the living waters, the gospel, the the and, and not just the basic gospel message that doesn't change you as a person, or maybe it changes you, but it doesn't cause you to change society. No, we're talking about a very powerful gospel message that not only changes your heart, but it changes the way you act. It changes the way you think. It changes your worldview. That's the gospel that's talked about in scripture. The gospel is you being a disciple of Christ. The gospel is you looking at all areas of life and applying scripture to it and changing your society to match that. That's the gospel. Okay. So when I say gospel, that's what I mean. Um, Think Ezekiel 47 is talking about the living waters starting out as a a tiny little drop, starting out really small. Like it's like ankle deep in this river. And then all of a sudden, uh, after some time, they go a little further and they measure it. And it's like, oh, wow, it's it's knee deep now. And then they go a little further and it's hip deep and they're measuring it constantly. And then it's waist deep. And then it, well, waist deep is hip deep. (laughs) Waist deep. There we go. And then it's over their heads. And then it's so wide and so deep that you can't swim across it. That, like, that is how deep and wide the gospel will be across the whole earth. That is our vision of the future. That is what should encourage us. In addition to this verse that we read at the at the beginning of this episode. Um, yeah, so we could geek out on that for quite a while, but <laughs> hopefully the message is clear. Like, what we, just to recap, what, what we're calling for here is action. What we're calling for is not sitting on the sidelines. It's exactly what Matthew Truella here is talking about, this interposition. Interposing mm-hmm. on behalf of others, okay? Taking action is what the, the, the whole point of this is, is for us to say, what can I do today? What can I do tomorrow? We should go to church to learn, what can I do this week? We should go to church to get our marching orders, as Doug Wilson always says, to get our marching orders for the next week. That's why we meet as brothers and sisters in Christ every Sunday, at least once a week. So mm. to, to iron sharpens iron, to get stronger in the word of God, sharpen our worldview, and go out and change the whole world. And it starts yeah. with us. How was that? <laughs> um, Perfect. So, End the show right there. Yeah, right. Mic drop. <laughs> We're done. End it there. All right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, we really, we only have about two, three minutes left. So there's a couple other things we could say, but I don't think, 
many of them actually really need to be said. Um, I think we've gotten across most of the main points. I will bring in maybe one or two quotes. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of want to skip to the end and talk about a warning against arbitrary creation of laws. Um, before I do, Jake, did you want to mention anything that was kind of before that on our list, our shared list, or <laughs> should I just jump right into that? Jump right into that. Okay. And then if you want, I can do a synopsis cool. at the end. I love and it. Give a brief overview of what all that we talked about. Yeah, recap. Love it. Love it. Um, cool. Okay. So um, Matthew Chuella gave an, a warning against arbitrary creation of laws. So just arbitrarily civil government deciding, yeah, we're going to make a law about that. Yeah, we're going to we're going to build your roads for you. Uh, yeah, we're going to teach your children. Uh, we're going to help the poor. Uh, we're going to do all the things that we're not supposed to do, and you will like it. <laughs> you'll have nothing, and you'll be happy about it. Um, so anyways, um, Matthew Truella quotes C.S. Lewis on page 62, and this is C.S. Lewis's quote, of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. I love that phrase, moral busybodies. busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes uh, sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated, but those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience, end quote. And man, is he right. When you think what you're doing uh, when what you're doing is tyranny, but you think you're doing it for good reasons. You think, oh, I'm, at least I'm helping people. You know, it's not a great system. I don't agree with it, but at least I can save some lives while I'm here. It's like, no, you need to stop. Take it upon yourself to do that as an individual, as a group outside of the civil government, because it is very uh, within scripture, it's defined that civil government is the justice division of society. You take it outside of those boundaries and bad things happen. We have history to show us that over and over again. Not that we needed that because we should be trusting the infallible word of God because that's our ultimate standard or should be. But history validates that repeatedly every single time when civil government thinks it's doing the, a good thing. It has good reasons and intentions. They just think, oh, the ends justify the means. Oh, yeah, we're going to take and gobble up all this power and give ourselves insane amounts of power, but at least we're helping people. And that's what's important. It's like, no, those people probably would have been helped by the private sector if you weren't crunching it and restraining it so much. If you weren't suppressing the private sector and oppressing the private sector, and if it's a Christian nation, which really that's the fundamental part of all this, the assumption is that it's a Christian nation. If it's not a Christian nation, all this goes out the window. So it makes sense that right now we have, we, we right now have the government we deserve. We have the civil government we deserve as a people because we are not a Christian nation. This is kind of what we deserve. So <laughs> if you're not restrained by the Holy Spirit, then yeah, you deserve tyranny. You deserve this kind of a government. So yeah, we get what we deserve. But Civil government, let's assume it's a Christian nation. If they think their job is to, oh, we just want, we want to help people. We want to save lives. We want to be the, um, the, we just, we want to be the, the loving mother hen of our society because that's our job as civil government to create this really warm environment where nice things can happen. And oh, maybe the gospel can be preached and that can be on my shoulders. And oh, that's great. It's like, no, no, that is a dangerous, 
dangerous path to go down, my friend. Predecessors long before you have gone down that as well. And the Bible gives very strict warnings against civil government doing anything other than justice, being the justice division of society and limited orders of defense. And with that, I'm going to pass it on over to Jake to wrap things up. Well, wow. That was great. Sorry, rant. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Ranting is what we do here. <laughs> but um, I want to give a brief, like, what is the doctrine of the lesser magistrate? Right? Just Ooh. just in case we lost it. Yep. Just in case we, <laughs> we forgot from chapter one. This is good. And... The doctrine of the lesser magistrate is about how a lesser magistrate is to interpose for the people if an unjust law is imposed unto the people. Yep. And, I mean, biblical examples are prevalent. The Bible speaks volumes to the fact that people need to stand up for those who can't. Mm. Right? Stand up for the widowless. Widowless. Sorry. Stand up for the widow. Stand up for the fatherless. Mm. There we go. That's how it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> An unjust law will be something that goes against God's perfect law. Yes. And and there are multiple examples of the doctrine of the lesser magistrate throughout history. Um, to name a few is just Governor uh, Petronius yep. that we find in Rome. John, uh, sorry, John Knox speaks to the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. Yes. He isn't, sorry, he's not an example of it, but he speaks yeah. to Yeah, well, the lesser magistrates that were above him. Or a good example yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. That he was yeah. calling to action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prince Frederick with interposing for Martin Luther. Um, yeah. And then even most recently, the Honduran uh, military. Whoa. And that was that was talked about in Chapter 12. Ah. Um, where they, they literally, they got rid of a, an unjust dictator... Um, because he was creating unjust laws against wow. the people. Very cool. Um, but I do want, and this is this is my call to action ish. This is my final statement. A lesser magistrate is not confined to state or county governments. Mm. A lesser magistrate can even be as low as it can go. Can even be one person interposing for another. Nice. Yep. So, if you see that as a problem, if you see an unjust law being imposed on a person, stand up. Yep. Interpose for the for that other person who can't stand up for themselves. Yep. Awesome. Great job kind of wrapping all that up. Um, wish we had time to get into some more of those details, but we're unfortunately a little bit over on this episode as well. So <laughs> this is it's going to be a long week. So <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Jake, for, for taking the time to kind of put that together and kind of take the culmination of 12 chapters and sum it all up. So hopefully that was a good reminder of all the things we talked about this month. There were a lot of a lot of things. So awesome yeah all right yeah so thank you all if you've listened this far in the episode thank you so much for for listening to us we really appreciate it don't forget go to trdshow.net that's our show website we got all sorts of cool stuff on there uh send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com and until then we will see you on friday and remember everyone in all that you do do it unto the lord <laughs>